Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on the hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there, happy Monday and welcome to the hash on Coindesk TV. Also, if you're a podcast listener, that's pretty cool too. Thanks for being here. However, you are consuming us on this lovely Monday. All right, let's get you up to speed on what is going on in the world of crypto. I am starting us off today and I am starting with some news about Meta leaning into NFTs. The company formerly known as Facebook is adding NFTs and we reported this over the weekend and it was confirmed uh, this morning in a video from CEO Mark Zuckerberg who says NFTs are coming to a popular app near you starting this week. You know, we're starting to test digital collectibles on Instagram so that creators and, and collectors can display their NFTs. And you know, a huge part of this, I think, you know, it goes back to what you're saying. It's about expression, right? It's saying something about yourself. What do you want on your profile? What's the collection that you want to show? So I'm, I'm really excited to start testing this. Zuck added that they're also going to add it to uh, Facebook soon, which is cool. They're going to start with Ethereum NFTs, but they're also adding support for NFTs on other chains. Will, I got to toss this to you as our NFT guy. Multi-chain NFT support from the company formerly known as Facebook. What the hell is going on? What does it all mean? Yeah, shout out to Danny Nelson for this story over the weekend. Definitely a big get. I think this brings me back to last week, talking with David Morris about Coinbase rolling out its NFT market and the consequences for being late to that. And their beta testing, which it was beta, so it was like a limited amount of people. It didn't go well though. Not a lot of users, not a lot of volume, not a lot of trades executed. Here we have a corporation, a very large one, moving even slower, and they're getting their NFTs off the ground right now for Instagram. The question though is a difference of scale, right? Coinbase is big for crypto, but it's not big in terms of tech companies. Facebook is huge. Instagram has over 1 billion monthly users. Bringing NFTs into that market could significantly change the NFT market going forward, add some validity. I think it brings some value to like that tail. So we've talked about NFTs this year. We had at least two bubbles in it and they popped, deflated a little bit, but NFTs stuck around, which people were not really expecting to occur. But here with a big player getting in like Facebook, which has so many users, you might see that NFTs actually stick around and become like 
just a part of everyone's tech stack, right? They're not really going away. A lot of these coins, the ICOs from 2017, 2018, they died off. They went away. There's only a few winners. But if you have these bigger players get involved and people start naturally using them on their accounts, that 1 billion person figure again comes up, then maybe NFTs stick around. We don't see any more of these bubbles. Zach, to you. Yeah, I would be curious to see if like Instagram rolls out sort of a marketplace function, right? I mean, as far as it looks right now, it's just sort of the verification thing that like Twitter did with its Twitter blue. Notably in the mockups, the universal shape of NFTs, the hexagon is used to indicate digital ownership, which is really funny, I thought. But for now, it's just, hey, this is my NFT. I own this NFT. Come look at me. I'm cool. Seems to be the extent of the functionality. That said, the level of detail that's being shared both by Zuckerberg and also people in product over at Meta suggests that they are figuring out how to build this in a way that is meaningful. And potentially that means a marketplace somewhere down the road. For now, it just seems like integrating with existing wallets and then again, being able to transact as you would on any other marketplace. So we'll see what it comes to if there is a marketplace play here. But right now it's just sort of, you know, building that Web3 Lego into existing Web2 products, which I think is going to be an interesting trend this year. Should the momentum from the last bull cycle carry over into excitement around those types of products? Christy, I'm going to toss it to you, though. I think the um, the marketplace idea or the market fit is where I'm going to be, what I'm going to be watching. Um, I can see where NFTs and Instagram can have some really good overlap and where that would really, really make sense. I think that's the demographic. I think the Facebook demographic is going to be less interested. I mean, Facebook's demographic, from what I understand, is kind of my age now. And my age is almost the sum of your ages. <laughs> so um, I don't know how much the 50-year-old crowd is going to be into uh, into NFTs uh, in the way that perhaps the Instagram crowd will be. And I don't know if that's a way of trying to get the younger group to go, back, to go over to Facebook or if it's just a, heck, we're doing it for Instagram, we might as well do Facebook as well. Um, so I think that's going to be a really interesting play. And I think that I think that it might almost be a hey there fellow young people thing if we start getting a bunch of folks, you know, of the older demographic trying to bring their NFTs onto Facebook and their friends would be like, what are you doing? Um, I think that'll be a very odd, uh, odd flex for for uh, 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 the Gen Xers on there. Um, but we'll see. I, I, I'm also very curious about the three dimensional augmented reality NFTs with Spark AR software that is going to be brought into Instagram. Um, that that does pique my interest. I'm curious to see what that is going to look like uh, and how that's going to work. Like three dimensional augmented mm -hmm. reality. That could be fun. Zach? I feel like there's got to be like an acquisition in the works, right? Like, you know, Genies, for instance, does these 3D avatars that are kind of cool and like social media friendly. Like that would seem to make a lot of sense, right? Rather than them trying to build this from the ground up, bringing some companies into the fold to help them accelerate their mission towards like an immersive metaverse experience. It seems like Facebook has the resources to build a lot of things in-house and they've done that historically. But I feel like they're, I don't know, I, I would imagine some M&A in the, in the cards at some point as they sort of continue their advance down this metaverse path. But, you know, time will tell. Who knows? Will, are you going to put an NFT on your Instagram? Don't have an IG. Twitter only. It's pure Bitcoin Twitter for me. Sorry. There we I, go. Just going back to the, the same line of thought that we all have here, I think this could be pretty interesting for where NFTs go from here. And I think both your guys' comments are pretty salient. I'm wondering 
how this affects the companies, right? If someone does get bought out in M&A, a lot of people don't like Meta and they don't want to work for Meta. Like there's a very strong anti-Zuckerberg strain within crypto. So if there is an acquisition of some sort, I wonder if that team would even like stick around to go work with him or maybe they'd jump ship and go somewhere else. I do think there could be an acquisition here just to make this a little bit smoother. There might even be some stuff that's like ready to hit the printing press pretty soon here because that would make sense. There's a lot of teams that have been working on NFTs for years in the crypto space and like their valuations aren't crazy high for Meta not to come in and just buy them wholesale very quickly. Again, I think that would be a, a problem going forward, just like the clash between Web 2 and Web 3 culture would be on full display in that instance. But Christy? I think though that you might end up with having, especially if you're going to have it sort of identity, like that sort of feeling of this is my NFT representing me as my avatar. Maybe people will get creative and start building their own NFTs that they're not interested in selling necessarily, using it as a marketplace, but using it as just another form of self-expression and artwork. I know that, for example, on Twitter, uh, my non-crypto feed is full of artists who have either created their own anime avatars or they've commissioned their friends to or colleagues or, or you know contacts to create artwork for their own personal avatars. And perhaps that becomes an NFT one day and people start playing around with it as a creative space not as necessarily an investment space. And I think that is going to be interesting if that's what happens, because I would love to have an NFT avatar, but I wouldn't care about whether it was you know, valuable and I could sell it on the open market. That would just be a fun way of having ownership of some artwork that is personally identified. You'll see more of that going forward. Let's move over to Coinbase land, though. We've had too much fun talking about NFTs this morning. We need to talk about some pain in the markets which across the board are pretty red. Coinbase leading the pack with 16% down on the day, 60% down on the year. That's compared to like the NASDAQ and Bitcoin itself, which are hovering at about the 20% down year over year. Bitcoin now is 50% off its all-time high since November, which is notable. But this year, it's basically just been keeping up with the stock market. The pairing and the correlation between the stock market like the NASDAQ and Bitcoin has been pretty tight. That's not been good for these equities, these coin listed equities, Bitcoin mining stocks, which is another part of this entire market as well, also down a lot, nearly 50% in some cases. So we're seeing a lot of pain for anyone who is exposed to cryptocurrency companies that are listed on public markets. Zach, who will give it to you. Oh man, the woes of being wedded to the bizarre physics of the crypto market. I don't Envy Coinbase or the miners or anyone who exists in a public market at the time of a widespread bear. That seems to be what's happening now. It's going to be interesting to see if like analysts are savvy enough to distinguish any sort of daylight between crypto prices and Coinbase as a proxy for, you know, sort of this meta crypto stock play. It's going to be interesting to see, but it's probably going to be a sea of red, I think, when this thing hits, right? The NFT marketplace debut didn't seem to move the needle in any noticeable way as it related to the stock price at the time. Those numbers have been pretty sad, to be perfectly honest. And I don't know if there's other sort of silver linings that there may emerge in this call. Hey, maybe institutional business is robust. Hey, maybe XYZ is happening and, and this is looking good. Whether or not analysts and big Wall Street firms are going to be able to differentiate or distinguish or add value actually ascribe value to any of those silver linings in a period of you know crypto prices tanking 
that's what I'm going to be watching for. Like, if there's any sort of divergence between crypto price and Coinbase's price after earnings reports, that to me will be interesting as an indicator of mm. where Wall Street is as it relates to being savvy about pricing these things. I'm not optimistic that that's going to happen. And I think these are the things that, you know, when you go public in the crypto space, you're probably warned of, and it's probably something that you anticipate and are ready for, right? These were listed as the risks when Coinbase first went public, right? Exposure to very volatile markets in the cryptocurrency sector. And we're seeing that play out. So yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? I think that we're looking at, it's just happening in the markets broadly. And that's something that it's not just crypto. If, if, if everything else was doing well in crypto, was tanking, then I think we'd all sort of be looking at it way more askance than we are right now. On the other hand, considering the sort of hedge narrative that crypto's had over the last few years, it also is kind of making us look at it askance going, well, okay, maybe not quite the hedge we thought, but you know, maybe we shouldn't be using the broader markets as an excuse. But at the same time, I think there was a quote that was in the article from Canaccord genuity analyst Joe Vaffi, who said in a note at the end of April, in the context of the NFT play from Coinbase, that perhaps the most boring part of the coin investment case at this point is the spot price of Bitcoin, and that the future is materially broader. So I think that's kind of an interesting look too, that you don't have to just look at the Bitcoin price and number go up, number go down but really look at the broader market and the more of the opportunities in the space. And Coinbase, if they're basing it on user activity, those aren't the people who are actually using Coinbase, the people necessarily who are making those broader investments. That's my take on it, Will. Yeah, I think a lot of these crypto coin companies are just getting mixed up in what's happening with public markets. You know, right last week we saw the Fed raise interest rates and then the market corrected very strongly. Public markets corrected very strongly. Treasuries are also in a weird spot right now. So it's just like it's a weird time to be in the like an asset game. And that means that anyone who's in the crypto game and has exposure to public markets is basically feeling double that, right? So Bitcoin has not decoupled from larger markets. It acts just like almost a proxy stock for actual stocks, to be honest. Like they just trade so tightly. We've never seen that decoupling happen. And so these people like Coinbase or public miners or anyone who's like a crypto company that's publicly listed is just going to be caught in both downstreams. They have to either be like uncorrelated or fight against public market forces, and they have to fight against whatever's happening with Bitcoin at a certain time. Since they both seem to correlate with each other, you're just going to go down the stream together. That's not to say that these companies don't have like a lot of value, right? Coinbase, I think, is a pretty good company, pretty strong company with a pretty long runway. And that's just part of being publicly listed is you have to deal with these downturns. That's part of the upside, I guess, is or the cost for going public. Last year, they went public, and it was pretty nice for a little bit there. It was really nice for all the investors who got the liquidity to be able to leave their positions. A lot of people made a lot of money and were able to move on and invest that money into other projects, and that helps grow the space. But now we see the cost nine months later when markets start slipping, actually a year later now. That's just the cost for being involved in both sides of these things. Zach will give it to you for last thoughts on this, though. Yeah, again, I mean, I think like, this is a major force in institutional crypto adoption. If you look at Coinbase custody, it is by far like the largest player in the space all of a sudden, given how much uh, money they're holding on behalf of institutions who are investing in crypto assets of various stripes. So if the Wall Street analysts can look and say, okay, retail numbers are kind of sucky because 
the crypto markets are especially sucky. But hey, beneath there, if you look at the institutional business, if you look at Coinbase Prime business, if you look at some of, again, the unsexy behind the scenes, but big business lines that Coinbase has, it's going to be interesting to see how it's valued. And that to me, I think is going to be what's going to be interesting when, when these earnings come out. All right, let's change gears. Let's get to some other stuff. Christy, what do you got? So yesterday, Bankless Crypto channel on YouTube tweeted out that it had been deplatformed, that it was gone from, from YouTube with no uh, explanation, no reason, no justification, no warning. And it had a lot of content. Three months ago, it had 100 episodes. I'm not sure how many episodes it's got right now, but that's a lot of content. And it was information-based content on Ethereum and a lot of altcoins, not a lot of Bitcoin from what I could see, but you know, some Bitcoin. It's a pretty broad spectrum educational channel. And of course, everybody got on YouTube's case. Now, to be fair, a few hours later, YouTube came back and we're like, oh, we're so sorry, you're back and we'll DM you and tell you what's going on. But yeah, that was a mistake. And we'll look into the other channels that also, there were a couple other channels that got deplatformed. So of course, the response on Twitter has largely been, this is why we need Web3. We need to move all of our crypto content onto some sort of decentralized yada yada, which is awesome and a great idea. On the other hand, a lot of these educational channels are geared toward the masses who have never heard of crypto. Chances are, if they know nothing about crypto and Bitcoin and Ethereum and all these other platforms, they're probably not checking a decentralized uh, video channel or communications channel to find out about such things. You probably are already in it. So it's a little bit, I think, disingenuous to be on about Web3 platforms, at least at this point. I mean, it's great to have the content there so that got a record of it and nobody can destroy. That's the problem is they're saying, you know, all, all our content is not only missing, but it's gone. Like we can never access it again, potentially. Whereas if it's on a distributed platform, at least you've got a public record. But at the same time, I'm not sure how big a solution it is. And yes, like last week, we talked a lot about PayPal and their deplatforming. And again, YouTube, super, super big form of income. So yeah, Zach, get in on it. Hey, this happened to us last year. So Coindesk YouTube had this same thing that happened to us last year. So we feel that pain. You know, they don't give you, like when YouTube reinstates your channel, they don't give you like, oh, here's what happened. Here's the details. And like, you know, I think Michael Casey, like our chief content officer, wrote a nice piece at the time, sort of unpacking some of the broader concepts behind these things. My view is that it's sort of just like, a bug in the algorithm or something, right? I don't think it's the ideological thing that underdog crypto fans are really thinking that it is, right? It's not like YouTube expressing an ideological predisposition to, to paint all crypto in the broad brush of scammery. I think it's like something else in the algorithm that gets triggered and then inevitably everyone makes a big stink about it. Some human looks into the thing and says, oh, wait, that's weird. All right, you're back. And so waste no crisis. Stani Kulichov, who obviously is building a decentralized Twitter alternative. I think it's, I forget the name of it, but he, you know, he was recently banned from Twitter for saying that he was the interim CEO. He's sort of really leaning into uh, Ave's own work in making decentralized social media a thing. He's saying, hey, this is an opportunity for us to like, you know, rally the troops and build a decentralized social media alternative. But to Christie's point, that's not where the party is. That's not where everyone is. That's not where the world is. That's what is the challenge here. You got to get the critical mass for it to be a fun, dynamic place that you'll visit again and again. 
And so these YouTube things, they'll keep popping up. I don't think there's anything nefarious on the part of YouTube or Google here. We heard YouTube express not long ago that they're exploring NFTs. Google kind of became more loud about its digital assets team. So the idea that this is some ideological imperative, I think is being used a bit opportunistically by some folks on crypto Twitter, but it does suck. I'm glad that they're back. And it is annoying that people's livelihoods can be turned off on a dime for very mysterious reasons. And that is, you know, potentially troubling, but will. No, I think you're spot on right there, right? Let no crisis go to waste. Bankless guys are awesome, but this was also a really nice advertisement for their platform, which is all about using peer-to-peer -peer systems for decentralizing your money or decentralizing your content streams or whatever you want to decentralize. That's what Bankless is about. So it really actually was a pretty great advertisement for their channel itself. Uh, just like it has been for every single crypto company that has come under the thumb of YouTube or Twitter or Facebook over the last few years, this always seems to happen. Remember, Coindesk happened last year. Pomp Channel happened earlier this year also. And every single time this happens, all the Twitter warriors come out and start attacking Twitter, come attack Facebook or come attack YouTube. At the end of the day, like they always get reinstated, but it's a really nice advertisement for everybody. Like, hey, this is why this Web3 idea actually matters. And I think it does bring some validity to it, right? If you lose your YouTube channel, it's a lot of hours. They had something like 10,000 hours. Very difficult to physically back that up. And even if you're going to physically back every episode up, then you're the only one holding it. You're a central point of failure. And so the Web3 idea makes a lot of sense in many cases where you're distributing copies of information all over the place. Everyone has an incentive to hold on to it or to use it. And that benefits everybody. The tricky part, like you said, Christy, is that software just doesn't exist at this point. There's some things like Arweave that can do some really interesting things like holding data for a very long time, cryptographically secured, but it's not built enough to where it's like able to handle what YouTube does. YouTube uploads hundreds of thousands of hours of video footage every day. Nothing in crypto land can really compete with that yet. There's some projects out there, but they're, they're not there yet. So I think we'll see this happen going forward. And I'm glad the Bankless channel got reinstated at the same time though. Pretty nice free advertisement for them and only cost them what, like 24 hours of downtime. So not a bad not deal even. in my mind. Yeah. Not even that. Yeah. It was the same yeah. day pretty thing. pretty yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> Zach will get back Hey, to we're you. talking about it. <laughs> hey, we're talking about it. Be exactly. your own bank, be your own YouTube. It's all good. All right. Well, the ideas were shared. The discussions were discussed. And now the hash is over for today. But that doesn't mean we won't be back tomorrow. In fact, we will be back tomorrow to talk about more crypto news because crypto never sleeps and some other crazy stuff is gonna happen and we'll break it down as to why it matters. All right, that's it. I'm Zach. We got Will. We got Christy. Check us out on the podcast network if you haven't already. That's us, The Hash, weekdays on Coindesk Podcast Network. Good way to stay up to date when you're on the run away from a screen. All right, that's it. We'll be back again. Hope you're having a great day. Check out Coindesk.com for all the latest in crypto news and have a good one. That's what it comes down to. All right. Bye. See ya. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. 
there's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.